Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Sunday morning to everybody that's uh, able to, to listen in this morning on uh, Facebook, and if you're able to catch it on the FM channel, that's great. If not, we'll we'll mess with that later this week and get it set up for uh, Easter next week. Uh, it's, it's been a, uh, I think it's been a trying week this week for a lot of people, um, just with all the orders that keep coming down, staying at home, and all the, the, the death rate going up, and the, the, the cases going up, and the, the U.S., I know it's been trying for a lot of people. Uh, but we need to take this opportunity that God's given us to continue to pray for those that are affected and pray for uh, those that are in the, um, just in the, in the line of fire right now, those that are working in EMS, those that are in the hospitals and, and everywhere else that could be affected. So we need to take time, and we will here in just a minute, to, to pray for all of those. Uh, this morning, we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 is where we'll start. And being, they do call this Palm Sunday, we will be looking at uh, Palm Sunday uh, with Jesus riding in. And uh, just uh, like my Bible says, and probably everybody else, is, they call it the triumphal entry. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is the triumphal entry. And we're really going to put a, a, a little different spin on it, and we're going to look at it uh, kind of as the donkey. Uh, and we'll, we'll try, to, try to do this. And it's hard to do. If I had Matt and BJ here, it would make it a lot easier for me to talk about donkeys, but... 
we'll just uh, keep them in, in mind and, and try to picture this the best we can. But we're going we're gonna to look at this as a view from the donkey that Jesus rode on on the way in. Let's uh, open up in prayer this morning. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to come to you this morning and just ask for your guidance, ask for your grace, ask for your mercy this morning as we uh, go into this service. Lord, it's still, um, it's still different, Father, not being able to, to have a congregation here, Lord, but we know that they're at home, they're safe, they're right where they need to be, Father, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would dwell in each one of them this morning. Uh, Father, I pray for uh, just a great touch upon every family, Lord, as, uh, as we go into this service. Lord, I, I pray as we just talked about, Lord, that you would continue to guide and protect all those that are involved in this virus right now, all those health care workers, everyone, and not just the workers, Father, that are in, in the, the hospitals, not just the doctors and nurses, but, Lord, anyone that steps foot into that hospital to work, Father, I pray that you'd bless them and keep them safe, Lord, keep them healthy. Uh, Lord, for anyone that's involved in this, Lord, whether it be um, in, in the EMS, Lord, whether it be in, in health care, Father, whether it be... Uh, these linemen that are still out working, all these people that are still out uh, doing their jobs, Father, I pray that you protect them and keep them safe. God, we thank you for that entry that you allowed your son to, to come in on uh, on that Palm Sunday, Lord, for your son to be able to ride in on a lowly old donkey, Father, and, and to uh, proclaim you as his father, Lord, and to do exactly what you called him to do, Lord, as it set up the week ahead, Lord, as he was crucified on the, that cross less than a week later. God, we thank you for an opportunity this morning to, to break your word apart, and Lord, and to, to learn a little bit more about that beautiful Sunday that he rode in on, or that, that beautiful day that he rode in. God, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. All this your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we are in, in Matthew 21. So Jesus rode in on a donkey, and we, I think everybody knows that. And you can go into all four of the, the Gospels, and you're going to see the exact same thing. It's one of the few things that are in all four Gospels. Um, that are actually in all four Gospels. The other Gospels will have one uh, version of something, and then another uh, Gospel won't have a thing about something, and another Gospel will have a little something different about it. But this, this thing right here, this, this entry of Jesus in Jerusalem on the donkey is in all four of the Gospels. Now, there's, there's three great things about him riding in on the donkey that I'm going to look at before we actually even get into the message. First, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, we know that Zechariah had prophesied about um, about the about Jesus coming in, about the Messiah coming in on a donkey, and he was going to fulfill it. And, and Zechariah, he, he said it this way in Zechariah 9, 9. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. So this prophecy is fulfilled by Jesus riding in uh, on, on the donkey. Now, that's, that's one, and again, it's in all four Gospels. And the second thing, in biblical times, this is what I really like about this. In biblical times, the leaders rode in on horses if, if they were coming into war, if they were coming into war. A donkey was a symbol of peace. So Jesus could have rode in on this big, nice stallion or a big old mare or something like that, but to see someone like him ride in, they would have thought it was war. But the donkey meant peace. So we know that he was a peaceful person. Donkeys are only mentioned in, in the Bible in relation to the common folk and, and to peaceful times, not war. You don't read anything in the Bible that talks about donkeys and war. It's always war horses. Every time you see a, a, a story in the Bible and it talks about war, they're on their horse. They've mounted on a horse, never on a donkey. So remember that part, that it is a peaceful animal and that there is no war. Um, and then the third thing is Jesus used a donkey to connect with the common folk because that's what that's how uh, a donkey was looked at. It was for the common folk. It wasn't for the warriors. It wasn't for the kings. It wasn't for um, these high up people. It was always for the common folk, and that's what Jesus came to do was to be around the common folk, which is us, us sinners. Uh, and Jesus, he embraced it. If you think about it, the people that he was with all the time, the poor and the sick, so he embraced this. He was always with the poor and the sick here on earth. So his choice of donkey instead of a horse was God's way of saying that he came to serve and to save the oppressed. And that's us, folks, to, to a T. We are the oppressed. We need him. And, and we need him uh, probably more today than we've ever needed him before. And he's still he's sitting on that throne right now right beside his father. He might not be on a donkey right now, but he's still sitting high on that throne 
with his Father, and he's still able to be reached, and he's still able to reach down and touch us. He's still the King of Kings, whether he is on the donkey or on the cross or he is on the right hand of the Father. He is still the King of Kings. He is still who he said he is and will always be, and we need to remember that. Now, that's, the, that's just three things really quick to talk about the donkey and the significance in the donkey. Now, if you've got your Bibles open and you're over at uh, Matthew 21, we're going to read verse 1 through 11 about this entry. Verse 1 says, And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage and to the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, uh, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of, the, of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, others cutting down branches from the trees and, straw, and strawed them the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And that's, that's the word this morning. Let's pray again. Father, again, we just ask for your blessings on this service. God, we, we can't thank you enough for an opportunity. Lord, it may not be uh, as a congregation fellowship in this morning, but Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to continue to get the word out. Uh, the best that we can. Father, I pray that you bless our time together, bless this message, bless your people as we uh, do the best that we can with, with the situation at hand. God, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, again, we thank you so much for this triumphal entry of your son into Jerusalem. And I pray, Lord, we can take a moment this morning just to reflect upon that that took place over 2,000 years ago just for us. As he enters into this city, as he enters into his final week, Father, I pray that we can reflect on that and how he done it just for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, this morning I, I want to look at that day from the viewpoint of the donkey, which sounds funny, but I'm not going to be talking about it as I am the donkey by no means, but just from that viewpoint, from what was seen from that donkey, from what was seen around that donkey, because that donkey got to experience something, got to, to be a part of something uh, greater than we can ever imagine. All right, so we got to, we'll think of it this way. First of all, there's three different people we've got to look at in this passage that we just read. There's three different people. Number one is the Savior. We know that. We know that Jesus rode in on the donkey. We know that Jesus is our Savior, but at the time, he was not who people thought he was. They knew that he was the Messiah, or at least thought that he was Messiah, but they would have never thought that he was going to be their Savior. We know after reading this now that he is our Savior because of what he done as he rode into Jerusalem and all the things that took place during that week when it came to the false trial and the beating and, and the crucifixion and the burial, all that. We know what took place with him, so we know that he is our Savior. But we've got to look at this in a different way here. Jesus' first entry, um, it's a lot more than what we think. His first entry uh, leads up to a lot more. His first entry leads up to his second entry. And I've wrote down some things this week that, that I hope will make sense to you guys um, because it took me a while to figure this out. But there, we're reading the first entry. He has a second entry or a re-entry at some point. After, when the rapture hits and he comes back and he gets us, uh, we're, we're, he's setting this thing up. So I'm going to try to put them together for you. The first entry, if you think about it, he was riding on a colt. The second entry, he's going to be riding on a great white horse. The first, he wore a crown of thorns. The second, he's going to wear a royal crown. The first, he was called king of the Jews. The second, or the re-entry, he's going to be the king of kings. He is already the king of kings. First, he had no money to pay taxes. Second entry, he'll own everything. First, he was mocked and jeered. Second, they're going to fear and tremble him. First, he came as a man. Second, he's going to come as God. He already is God. First, 
He was meek and lowly. Second, he'll come in power and glory. First, he had nails in his hands. Second entry, he's going to have a rod in hand. First, he hung on a cross. Second, he's going to sit on a throne. First, he was judged by Pilate's hall. Second, he'll be the judge. And then first, he came as a lamb. Second, he'll be the lion. So that's the first person we've got to look at. Now, the second person we're going to look at, that's a group of people, and that's the servants. The servants in this story. Now, we had the disciples. They were there. They were part of this crowd as Jesus rode uh, on, on the donkey as he went into to Jerusalem. He was part of he, They are the ones that actually went and got it. Two of them went and got the, the, the colt and the, and the donkey and brought them in. They're also the ones that clothed him, the, the donkey, took some the garments off and put on the donkey for Jesus to ride on. So we know the disciples were a part of it. They were part of the crowd that was there as well. They fetched the donkey, and then they escorted that donkey with Jesus on it. That donkey, you got to remember this, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, that was an untamed donkey. So it had to be led. So the disciples, I don't know, one or two of them, don't know, had to lead that donkey in. So they had a huge part of this, of this story that we're looking at here. But... You know, we know that he, they were with him, but later we know that they're going to forsake him as well, and they're going to run from him. And then the other part, the other people in here, it's the crowd themselves. Many of the believers would have been there. Many people that Jesus had witnessed to, many of the people that probably were healed by Jesus, the ones that heard him teach, the ones that heard him preaching, they were part of this crowd. They were there with him. They were the ones shouting Hosanna as he came about, as he came into Jerusalem. They were the ones cutting down the palm leaves and laying down on the road. And, and allowed him to walk in like he was supposed to, according to prophecy. So we had this crowd that was there, but by the end of the week, we would call them people uh, fair-weather friends. They only came out when it was pretty. When it got ugly, they all went away. They all left him. They abandoned him. We've got to remember that. The Bible says that there, uh, they were people who were secret disciples who followed at a distance from the Lord. They were his friends, but like I said, they were fair-weather friends. They wasn't really... Uh, close enough, they wasn't, They didn't follow him all the way to the cross. They might have followed him into Jerusalem for a little while, but when it got when the heat started, when it got hot there, whenever Jesus started being persecuted, they kind of fell away because they didn't want to be a part of it. They didn't want to be killed for for their beliefs, so they just stepped aside and went away. And the third one, the third group we're going to look at real fast is the sinners in this story. The sinners. Now we're going to start with the sinners, and we're just going to say the the donkey and the colt. All right, so the donkey and the colt, the colt is what he actually rode on over in, a, in John 12, 14. It tells us that. It says, and Jesus, when he had found the young ass, sat thereon. So we've got to remember that. We don't know if one of them carried some things. We don't know if he had, uh, one of them was a pack mule uh, and, and, and carried a lot of items for Jesus or they just brought him along. Uh, and I remember um, back we used to have horses. That was one of the things that we always done with the colt as we would be riding and uh, we would take the colt along with us as we was riding the mare to help teach it, to train it, you know, how to, how to be led and, and, and about being around other horses and things like that, helping stop it from being spooked. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know a lot about that, but we do know that, that the two of them went together. Um, but that, that young donkey, it represents us, the lowly sinners. That's who we are as sinners. We are it, 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 from birth till salvation, we are sinners bound for hell. But after salvation, we're still sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. This lowly old donkey here that we're talking about, as a, it represents us as those lowly old sinners. Those are the people in the story that we're going to, that's as much as I'm going to talk about that. Um, so we, we're going to look at three, no, we've got about six lessons here, five or six lessons that we're going to look at uh, that we're going to learn from this donkey. There's a lot, a lot that we can learn from this donkey. The first lesson is Jesus had a plan with, for this donkey. God had a plan for this donkey. This donkey had been set aside and was exactly what God wanted to use. This donkey was chosen by Jesus himself because you go back over and you, and you read verse 2 and verse 3, and it plainly tells you, and if you look at the very end of it here, uh, verse 3, it says, If any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. They weren't going to question him. They wouldn't question the fact that they were coming to get this donkey and this colt because I believe the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, laid it on that person's heart that owned it to say, yes, please take it. Just go ahead and take it on. They were going to fulfill that, pro that prophecy. 
Our lives are just like that donkey's. That donkey had a plan. Jesus had a plan for that donkey. God has a plan for each one of us. And we know Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know that thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. We know that. We're, we're raised up like that. That's Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those verses that is instilled in us uh, from a young age. We know that God has a plan for us. He had a plan for that donkey, that old, that old lowly donkey. He's got a plan for us, old lowly sinners as well. His plan for us is that we enter into that relationship with Jesus. That's his plan. That's what he wants for us. We know if you go over John 3, 16, it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth. That's his plan. He wants us through free will. He wants us to have that relationship with his son. He wa- that's, that's, his, that's what he wants. But he leaves it up to us to take that step and to accept him. Now, lesson number two the donkey was chosen to fulfill that plan. He was chosen to fulfill it. God's word tells us that we too have been chosen to fulfill God's plan. We have been chosen. John 15, 16 says, Ye have not chosen me. Now listen, it says, But I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We are chosen that we might be used for a purpose. We have a purpose. We know that we have a purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. It might not be singing in a choir. It might not be teaching. It might not be preaching. But we all have a purpose. God has set us aside. He has chosen us to do something for him here on earth. I I don't know what it might be. Every one of us has been chosen, though. and We have a purpose for him. Paul says that ye are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are his hands and feet here on earth. That's what he's trying to tell us. We can go about the Father's business here on earth for him. Physically, we're here to do something. We have that purpose. Lesson three, the donkey wore new clothes. I like this. Over in verse seven, it says, And brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And him would be Jesus. And brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. They took off their robes. Now, they probably didn't run around naked, but they took off what they could, and they gathered up all the clothing that they could, and they put it on that donkey so that Jesus could ride comfortably on that donkey. If you've never rode a donkey, that's one of the most miserable rides you'll ever take. They are not, they're not comfortable. They're not a horse by no means. They, they, they're all back, and they're little, and they just they'll hurt your tail especially if you're trying to ride bareback. They hurt. So he had to have some padding up there for a comfortable ride to come in. These garments were put on top of the donkey so that Jesus could be somewhat comfortable on this ride. I don't know how far a ride it was for him to go in, but yet he still had to go in. He still needed to to have a little bit of comfort there. When we come to Christ, I want you to think of it this way. When we come to Christ, we receive new garments of life. When we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, save my soul, Jesus, please forgive me where I failed you. He's going to clothe us. All right, He's going to put garments on us. The Bible tells us that we're clothed in Christ. Galatians 3.27, Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We're wearing him right now. He's in our hearts. We know that he's in us through the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus on us. Folks, we've got to be able to, to show people Jesus everywhere we go, everywhere we go, because we're wearing him. When people see us, they ought to see that glow, just like Moses had. They need to see that glow on us. They need to see that smile on us. They need to see that shine in our eyes. And people say, what's going on with you? What's going on in your life? Why are you so happy? And you can just say, folks, it's because i got Jesus. It's because i got something in me that is not of this world. I've got something greater in me than you can ever experience. And then that opens up a door for us to tell them all about him. So we're clothed for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We are wearing him right now. Lesson number four, the donkey went where he was led. Now, don't forget, I was telling you about this a little bit a while ago. This donkey wasn't trained. That's why we know that he rode the colt because John told us that he rode on that colt. And the colts typically ain't broke. And it takes a while to break one. So they probably brought that mama along and, 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 and to keep that thing calm. Keep that colt calmed down. 
Jesus has an effect on his creatures, his creations. He made us all. He knows us all. He has the same effect on, on us as he did on that donkey that day, that colt that day, that common effect. Think about it. Think about that peace that we get whenever we struggle. Think about the peace that we have whenever we are down and when we, we just don't know where to turn. Think about the peace that he gives us, that peace that passeth all understanding. He gives us that. He, he can calm down his creations. And that's what he done with this donkey, this colt, was he probably just gave it a, a sweet peace. He calmed it down so that it wouldn't buck and take off running. To be a part of the plan, the donkey had to go where he was led. You got to remember that. He was led. Then disciples had a hold of that rope and led that donkey right where it needed to be. God doesn't always give us our destination. God doesn't always show us the route that we need to be, but he will lead us where we need to go. Because sometimes in this life, we're unbroken as well. Sometimes in this life, we'll go around and we feel like we're bucking and, and, and kicking and screaming all over the place because we don't know what to do. We're scared. If you've ever been around horses much and you start breaking them, they buck for a while. And they'll, they'll, you run them around that ring for a while and, and you get them all worked up and then you get to put the blanket on them for a little bit and then you put the saddle on them for a little bit and then eventually you get to step up on that and then you get to start riding and they're going to buck. It's because they're scared. They don't know what's going on. That's the same way with the Christian life that we're living right now. Sometimes we don't know what's going on, and we are scared. We're terrified. I remember Dad used to have a little cult named uh, uh, Whisper, and, and I remember the, it was the strangest thing I ever seen. We hadn't had horses that long, but I remember him taking paper bags, feed sacks, and taking that thing and rubbing her down with it. You know, old, old paper bags, just rub, making all kinds of racket so that she wouldn't be skittish, so that she wouldn't jump and get her used to noises. That's the way we are. We hear something sometime, and we jump as Christians. How many Christians do you think jumped whenever this COVID-19 thing started up? They jumped, and they ran, and they hid. How, how many times have we jumped when something went on in our lives, and we ran, and we screamed, and we bucked, and we kicked, and we snorted because we didn't know what to do? We're just like that cult. We need to be led sometimes, a lot of times. We need to be led, and we've got to allow God to lead us. We don't know the destination sometimes, but we've got to understand that he has us. He is the one in control. He is the one leading us like he led that cult. Genesis um, 22 two talks about this, uh, about you know, when we have to show our love uh, uh, by being obedient. In Genesis 22, it says, and, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Abraham had to, had to be led by God to this mountain because it wasn't something that he wanted to do. He, wasn't, he didn't want to sacrifice his son, but he allowed God to lead him. He let God take him exactly where he needed to be, and because he was obedient and allowed him to lead him to the top of that mountain, then God provided that ram in the thicket. That's what God does. He leads us where he wants us, and then he provides for us what we need. That's how he does it. Lesson number five, the donkey's position. Now, this donkey's position, donkeys ain't always that much. They're not tall. You know, I, I, my, my great uncle uh, used to, to breed and raise mules, and I, I love to see a mule, but, you know, mules are tall. Donkeys are little. They're little short fellas. And you got these donkeys and, and you put Jesus up on top of it, it's going to make him just a little bit taller than the rest of the crowd. So he's got position there, and it makes Jesus visible. Our position makes Jesus visible wherever we go. Uh, when, we're, when we humble ourselves, he becomes more visible to others. When we humble ourselves and put Chad out of the way, when we put each other out of the way, and we allow Jesus to be in front of us, and we allow others to see Jesus then we give him that position where others can see him. And they're not seeing me. They don't see the preacher. They don't see the Christian. They see Jesus. And that's what we want. We want to give Jesus all the attention. Now, if, if he'd have got up on a big old mare and come roll, roll, rolling into Jerusalem, then all the attention would have been on that big old horse. And I, I've seen it in a lot in, in the police departments that, that use um, 
uh, Mount of Troll. And I, when I was in Israel, that was the, that was the greatest thing I think I seen over there uh, that wasn't biblical. Uh, was their mounted patrol. They used big old Percherons, Percheron workhorses. That was their mounted patrol. They're big, they're aggressive, and they're, they're, they're uh, intimidating, and they're black. And you got these, these Israeli policemen riding on these big old horses. Well, nobody really sees the policemen. They see the horse. That's not what Jesus wanted when he rode into Jerusalem. He didn't want folks to see the horse. They wanted him to see him. So he's on this donkey sitting as tall as possible on this donkey, and everybody is looking at him. Not the, little, not the little donkey, but Jesus himself. We need to remember that. Nothing about the donkey took away from Jesus. Nothing about us should be taken away from Jesus. When whatever we're doing in this life starts to take away from the gospel, from whatever we're doing in this life that we're living right now takes away from Jesus Christ, then we're doing something wrong. We have taken folks' eyes off of, off of Jesus and put it on ourselves. And it ain't about us. It's all about him. So don't be that person. Don't be the workhorse. Be the mule. Be the, not the mule, be the donkey. Don't be a workhorse. Be a donkey. And allow Jesus to be glorified in everywhere we go. Now, one of the things that we need to remember about this is it's not our kingdom that we're trying to, to build up. It's not our kingdom that we're trying to glorify. All right? It is God's, and we always have to remember that. We're not building up our own thing here on earth. What we're doing right now is we're trying to glorify Jesus in all that we do, and we're building up his kingdom, his kingdom, not our kingdom, and he should be the one that exalted. that's exalted. When we allow Jesus to move uh, and be more visible in our lives, we will see the responses of people and and and. and, and and we'll see him glorified. We'll see those salvations. We'll see those people turning from a, from a, a sin-filled life. We'll see them turn from the bad stuff in this world. And we're going to see them turn to Jesus. Only if we exalt him. Only if we glorify him. Only if we put me aside. Only if we put you aside. And put him first and foremost in our lives. Now, the crowd had a question there at the very end. They said, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Who's this feller on the donkey? Who's this guy riding in on the donkey? When we let Jesus be glorified in our lives, people will talk and want to know more. When we go out, and I say this a lot here, I know, but I mean it, and, I, and I, I'm a true believer in this. When we go outside these four walls and we do something for Jesus, it can never be in the name of Chestnutdale. It can never be in your name. It can never be in any other body, in anybody else's name except for Jesus Christ. And when we go out and we do his work here on earth, it is in his name. And people are going to ask, who is that? Who is this? Why are you doing this for me? I'm doing it in Jesus' name. Well, who's this Jesus that you're talking about? And folks, doors wide open. We have an opportunity to witness to somebody. Everything we do, we do in his name. That way people will ask. Now, when... Um, when we're there, when we're, when we're where Jesus is, the glory will overflow our lives. When we're right where he wants us to be, when we're right in his will, then he's just going to overflow. We're going to have an abundance uh, of blessing. We'll have an abundance of love, and he's going to give us an abundance of grace. And, and, and we're going to have all that we need as long as we stay in the center of God's will. We're going to have everything that we need to, to praise his name and to get his name out there and to glorify him in all that we do. But we have to stay in the center of his will. If he is leading us, I promise you, he is, he is, or we are in his will. We are right where it needs to be. But we have to let him lead us, take, him, take us right where he wants us to be. Now, my question this morning for you is this right here. And, and I want you to hang on to this. Do you resemble the donkey? Do you resemble the donkey? I can't imagine how many people are laughing right now. Do you resemble the donkey? I will say this, Judy, I hope you hear this, VJ resembles that donkey, and you will have to play that back for him a little bit later, try to make him feel better. So here's the thing I want you to look at about this donkey, several things that we're going to look at about this donkey that, that hopefully you can look at and say, I resemble that donkey. Number one is he was tied. That donkey was tied. They had to go unloose that donkey, they had to go untie the donkey, they had to untie 
the, the mare and they had to untie probably, I don't know if the colt was tied or not, but just think of it this way. They were tied. They were tied down. That's us. Many people are hooked and victims of habit. We're, we're bound to a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God. We're tied down to sin. Sin has tied us down. Sin is weighting us down right now. So we are tied down like that donkey was and have got to be loosed from that. We have to be unchained from whatever sin is in our lives. We have to, we have to allow him to come unsnap that leash and let us go, untie us. The donkey was untamed now. I was telling you about this, that colt. Colts ain't tame. It takes a while, and they hurt when they kick you. Them little old fellers, when they get when they get riled up, and they, they might rear back and, and, and paw you a little bit, they hurt. They're untamed. Well, that's us. You know, untamed means never ridden. They're stubborn, rebellious in nature. Ain't that us? We're stubborn. We're rebellious by nature because by nature we're born sinners. We're born into sin, and we don't know no better. Like I said a few months ago, you know, how, how many of us had to teach our kids how to whine and complain and be selfish? None of us. That's natural for them. We have to teach them manners. We have to teach them uh, what is right and what is wrong. We have to. That's part of what we do as parents. Um, but as, as cults, as, as Christians, or I guess non-believers first, we're, we're, we're stubborn. We're rebellious. We want to do our own thing. We want to run wild. Because it just feels good. We're going to run wild. We're just going to do what we want to. But we can't. We're just like that donkey. The donkey was outside. Now, many are without Christ. There's a lot of people in this world right now. There may be people right now listening to this. They are outside. They're without Christ. They're outside of where they need to be. Many folks in this world right now have no clue what it's like to be inside of Christ, what it is like to be clothed with Christ. There's so many people in this world right now that I believe should be taking advantage of this opportunity while they're indoors, while they're cooped up in the house, to, to crack open their Bible and start reading a little bit more about Jesus and, and start layering themselves with Jesus and all that they do. They're without Christ. They're without hope right now because they don't have him. They're outside of the will of God. That donkey was outside when they picked him up. Ephesians 2.12 tells us that at that time, Ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's us. We are outside and we have no hope. Now that donkey was at a crossroads. Go back and read that. He was at a crossroads. And in a lot of people's lives right now, you're at a crossroads. You don't know what, where to go. You don't know where to turn. Two ways meet. We have a place of decision. That's what, that's what a crossroads is. It's, 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 where, it's where two ways meet. And, and I've told this story before, and I, I love it because it's a true story. And it's about a, a Muslim that was converted to Christianity. And he said, his Muslim friends said, why would you do something like that? Why would you uh, denounce Allah like you did? And why would you go follow uh, this prophet or this teacher named Jesus and the, this, uh, this converted Muslim he told him, he said, think of it like this. He said, we're going down a track. We're going down a trail one day, and I get to a Y intersection. Left will leads me to death. And right, if I take this one over here, this Y, if I follow this one, it's going to lead to life. And Jesus is on that trail on the right. I'm going to follow the one that leads to life. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're coming to, people, we're coming to an intersection. Some of you listening right now are at an intersection. You've come to a complete stop at this intersection. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to make it fast. Do I turn left and head towards an eternal destruction and hell? Or do I turn right and follow Jesus and follow life? We're, we all come to that intersection. Every single one of us comes to that intersection. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to turn left? We're going to turn right. Which way are we going to follow? We're going to follow Satan. We're going to follow Jesus. Which way are we going to go? We're going to get eternal life one way or the other. But left is eternal life in hell and damnation. And right's eternity in heaven with Jesus. We've got to make that decision. That donkey was at a crossroads, and we are too at some point in our life. Now, the donkey was by the door. He's at the barn, by the door, tied. And we know that Jesus is that door. He tells us over in John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. We need that door, folks. 
I'll never forget, y'all, Keith, you probably remember this, the very first sermon I ever preached here, I preached on the door. I'll never forget that because I drove up here um, sometime that week, I always when I was filling in at churches, I'd always go sometime during the week and find that church before Sunday just in case I didn't want to be lost or late before I come in. Uh, but I remember coming up here on sometime during that week, and I pulled up here to the church, and that was the prettiest door I've ever seen on the church. I don't know what it was. And the Lord laid a message on my heart that day, or that day that I was up here, and I preached on the door, and it was out of John 10, 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastures. He is that door. Folks, we have got to, when we get to that door, he says, just knock. He said, just knock. Just come on. And he said, I am the door by if any man enter in, he shall be saved. If you just knock on that door and say, Jesus, can I come in? He says, any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastures. Any man. It doesn't matter. Man, woman, boy, girl. It doesn't matter age. He says, if you just knock on my door, I'll let you in. And he says, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. Now, the donkey at some point became untied. That's what Jesus does to us. He sets us free. Them disciples went and they untied him, still was leading him. But that's what Jesus does to those of us that are tied and bound by sin. He unties us to where we are no longer bound by sin. He sets us free. John 8, 32 says, And ye shall have the truth. I'm sorry, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what he does. Jesus is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, if you know me, if you know the truth, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set you. That's what he does. He sets. He unleashes us. He, he unchains us. He unsnaps us. And he sets us free from that bondage of sin that we're under right now. That's what he does. That's all that Jesus he does so much more. That's one of the things that he does for us is he unleashes us. He unchains us, unties us. Now, that donkey was brought to Jesus. If you look there at verse 7 again, it says, And brought the ass and the colt. He brought. That donkey was brought to Jesus. We've got to come to Jesus. We have to be. And when I say brought, it's, it's not me dragging you to an altar. It's not a mom or dad dragging them to the altar like they used to do. It don't work that way. That's being drawn. That brought that we're talking about is being drawn. The Holy Spirit's going to draw you. To him, that's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It just draws you in to Jesus, and that's what we're wanting. That's what. That's my prayer is that if anybody's listening to this today, that the Holy Spirit continues to convict your heart and to draw you to Him, so that you can come to that salvation. Now, one of the things that that donkey didn't do, that that donkey did not resist. If you go back to the end of verse seven, it says, "And they set him thereon," talking about Jesus. Not after that, it didn't say, and that colt went off bucking and running, and they had to run it down. It just said that they sat him on Jesus. They sat Jesus on him, and they set him there on. He didn't resist. That donkey didn't resist Jesus. Folks, that, one, of the, one of the worst things that you can ever do is resist Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is drawing on you, when the Lord is working on your heart to be saved, you cannot resist that. I, I've told y'all a thousand times here about being uh, convicted to, to call to preach. I couldn't get far enough underneath that table uh, up at, at Westview Baptist Church that night. I, you can't resist it. When he is drawing on you, when he is working on you, don't try to resist it. It hurts. You can fight. I fought for months, and it's, you're a miserable person when you try to resist him. Don't resist. Just let him in. The other thing is the donkey was used... For God's glory. And if you go back and you read in the, the scripture here, he, he, they call out Hosanna in the highest. He was used for God's glory. And that's what we are. We are a workmanship. We are to be used to glorify God. Everything that we do ought to be all about Jesus, all about building up his kingdom. And we need to be glorifying God. That's what the donkey did. He was used to glorify God. He was used to take his son into Jerusalem. He was used in a great way. And the last part here is he was submitted to the will of the Savior. He wrote him. He submitted. Jesus was able to write him because he submitted to the will of the Savior. To live as a, as a donkey, you have to recognize that God is requesting your presence so that 
so that you might be used by him. He wants to be used by you. He is asking, can I use you? Can, I, can you be a vessel? Will you be a vessel for me? Can I give you something to do for me? There's things that need to be done in this world. Let me use you. You may have an awful, terrible past. That's probably good. God's going to allow you to use what was in your past to reach out and touch people that are in that same predicament, the same shape that, they, that you used to be in until you found Jesus. And maybe he's going to allow you to be a witness to those people to get them out of that bondage that they are in at this time. His plan for you is that you not let him stay tied at the barn, but that you'll let him out and into your heart. That's his plan for He wants to be in your heart. Clothe yourself daily. I'm talking daily. Get in and get in the Word of God. Don't just listen to the, the, the little short devotion in the mornings that we're doing right now. Get into it a lot deeper than just that. Really clothe yourself. Get just all up in, in Jesus and, and get him in you and on you. And so when you go out, eventually when we get to get out of the house, people will see it on you. But if you're cooped up at home with people, let them see him on you as well. Your children, your grandchildren, whoever's there with you at this time. Clothe yourself daily and let the Spirit lead you. And, and not just lead you, but you've got to be like that donkey. And you've got to, you got to um, follow obediently. You have to follow him obediently. Yeah, I, I remember riding the horses, and, and every now and then one would, would, would veer off. They might see a pasture or a barn or something, and they'd veer off the road that we was riding on and try to get to the barn. Or they'd reach down, they'd want to nibble on a limb or something. That's us as Christians. We do the same thing. We're going down the road that we're being led down, and sometimes we want to turn off because we see something fruity. We see something shiny. We see something green that we won't go nibble on. But we've got to be obedient and follow where God leads us. Humble ourselves that others can see us more clearly. See Jesus more clearly, not us. Humble ourselves so that people can see us, see him more clearly in, in what we're doing. Serve Christ faithfully that he might be glorified because we know he is worthy. We know it. Jesus wants to make what my Bible calls here a triumphal entry. He wants to make a triumphal entry into our homes right now. What a time, folks, for him to make an entry into our homes. I hope and pray out of all this that's going on right now in the world that when the doors are open back up in our churches and our kids are able to go back to school and we're able to go back to work and we're able to go back and, and, and go back to what is going to be considered the new norm, I hope that we can see a huge change in attitudes because of what happened at home. And I mean in a good way. I hope at home that there's Jesus, every time the, the, the Bible is open, that Jesus is just overflowing in, in, our, in our words and what we're doing. And, you know, we sit down, and, and one of the things I've talked about a lot is, you know, the fact that here in the past two, three weeks now that we've been out, we're able to sit down as a family at night, and we're able to eat supper, and Paisley's doing her, her Bible reads at night now, or we're doing, trying to do it as a family. Um, you know, it, it seems like we, this thing is, it's, it may have seemed like we're all locked in together, but it's actually a good thing. We're, we're actually more of a family now, and not just us, but other families. We're more family-ish now because we're, we're getting uh, to, to communicate a lot better with one another and get Jesus involved in that conversation. But he wants to make that triumphal entry into our homes. He wants to make that triumphal entry into our workplaces, and it can be done. He wants to make a triumphal entry into these churches. There's so many churches now that are cold. There's so many churches in this world right now that Jesus needs to be a part of. Believe it or not, the devil's probably more prominent in the church than, than Jesus is in a lot of occasions. We, we need to allow him to make that triumphal entry. And folks, whenever we get the doors back open on this church, I can't wait. We may go Pentecostal for a Sunday or two because there's going to be a lot of handshaking, a lot of hugging going on. There's going to be a good time in the Lord here. But he wants to make that triumphal entry in, back into the churches, and I think he will. And he wants to make a triumphal entry back into our schools. Man, he's got a foothold right now in Avery County that blows my mind. It's great. He's got a, in Watauga County as well where we're able to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the schools. 
He's making that triumphal entry back into our schools where we can proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We can preach the Word of God in these schools now. He's making that entry. But here's the, the, triumphal, the most important triumphal entry that he wants to make. He wants to make a, a, a triumphal entry into your hearts. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make an entry into your heart. You, you may be there this morning, and, and the Lord's just been convicting you and convicting you for the past couple weeks, a couple days, a couple months, I don't know, but the Lord's really dealing with your heart, and you're sitting there, and you just want to be saved. You want to get things right with Jesus. He wants to make that triumphal entry into your heart this morning because we've talked about it a lot. I know. We just don't know what tomorrow holds. We know what the Bible says about life and the vapor. That's us. So we need to be ready just in case he decides to call us home. He, that, that, this virus may not be what takes us out. He may just say enough's enough, and he's going to rapture us on home. Enough is enough, and we're going to go home. Are you going to go home with us? Are you going to go home with me to heaven? If the Lord's laying it on your heart this morning, if he has convicted you and you are ready to get things right with him, let's make this morning your, your new birthday. Let's make this morning your day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for an opportunity once again. Father, to come to your house, Lord, and to worship uh, with my brothers and my sisters, Lord. We may be miles apart, but, Lord, I still know that you're with them. Lord, you've been here with us. Father, I pray that uh, as we go into this week, this, this, this week that leads up to Easter, God, that, that we would take the time to reflect back on that sacrifice that was made just for us. Lord, you, where you sacrificed and allowed your son to leave all the comforts of heaven, God, just to come down here and be with us. Lord, just for 33 and a half years, short time here on earth, God, to make such an impact on the rest of the world and for eternity. God, I, I pray that we take the time this week to reflect on that and your love. Lord, and I pray that this week as we do take that time to, to look at, at that salvation for some of us, Lord, I pray that there would be some here that, that doesn't know you. Lord, that they don't know about that free pardon of sin. God, I pray that this week, Lord, I pray it would be today that they would come to know and accept you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you for, again, for allowing us to try to get back to better together the best that we can. Lord, to worship and honor you. God, I pray that you would bless each person that's been able to, to listen today. God, I pray that you would uh, go with those that have to leave their house this week, uh, those essentials that have to go in. Father, I pray that you would protect them, and Lord, uh, just keep them safe, Lord. I pray that you would bring them back safely to their families as well. Father, we do want to lift up again all those that are involved in this uh, this virus, Lord, are just around-the-clock working, all these doctors that are trying to find a cure, all these doctors that are trying to find uh, a way to, to prevent this from, from happening again. Lord, I pray that they'd seek your face as they do all this study. Lord, be with our nurses and, and all the hospital staff that are involved, Lord, the ones that are cooking and cleaning and doctoring and, and nursing and, and all that they do. Lord, be with them and keep them safe and protected as well. Lord, we love you and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen.